Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 975-1280 the Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 the Zone. Let's talk a little Utah Jazz basketball. Of course, you hear him, he's my co-host. On jazz pre, half, and post game coverage. Longtime BYU and Utah assistant coach. He's our friend Tim Lacombe. What's going on, Tim? Gentlemen. How are I you? Bid you? I bid you hello. I say hello. <laughs> hello, Tim. It's good to have you on. How are you? A long time no see. How are you doing? Yeah, it's been about 12 hours or so, something like that. Uh, 14 hours. I'm doing great. I had a great day. And- Excited we got a little break and ready to hop back in tomorrow, brother. You know, uh, uh, Jake, I spoke with Tim yesterday as well. Oh, yeah? Yeah. When I was on with PK. That's right. (laughs) We had a a great little segment. (laughs) So you get Gordon twice today, or twice this week. My apologies. He's kind of like my Memphis Grizzlies. (laughs) Yeah, true. (laughs) Oh, man. And, and, And Tim beats me every time. No, come on. Uh, Tim, let's talk about last night's game. Um, you you and I talked about this. I talked about it with Gordon today. One of their best wins of the year, just given the circumstances. Pretty amazing. They pulled out a W not only without their star player, but after you know the traumatic experience they went through with the plane. There's no doubt. As I've gotten you know a little further away from it, you know, it's funny because we we're taking in all these games in the same place, and so there's kind of a saline effect, um, and and they win pretty much every night too so uh it's hard to kind of distinguish but i I felt like last night was really a monumental win for the team uh for the reasons you spoke of um and and in talking with a couple people today you know around town and and people that i talked to in course of my work day um you know i don't think that fell on you know i think everybody kind of realized how how crazy an experience that was and you know the way they they figured out to get themselves composed and get out to Memphis and win a game against a, a good team, um, you know, really speaks a lot about where this team is right now. I agree with you completely on that, Tim. It's, it was impressive under any circumstances, but you're missing your leading score and you've gone through this, this thing that would shake up anybody. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe there was someone on that team that thought it was all under control, but as far as I'm concerned, they're all humans and any human would, uh, would be, not shook up by that kind of experience and to go out and dial in the way the Jazz had to on somebody else's home floor, like I said, without your leading scorer, well, who was missing because of what had taken place. It's uh, it's impressive. Let me ask you this. Treetop, it, of all the things you've seen with the Jazz, uh, Tim, and looking at it from a coach's perspective, what is the single most impressive thing what is the thing that uh, portends the, the, the most optimism for the future? And by future, I mean the playoffs. You know, I think if I had to summarize what this, you know, in one word, I'd say unselfish. Um, I really do believe this team, you know, they, they've got a ton of different personalities. They've got guys that have, have been in different 
places, you know, around the league as veterans. They've got young guys that are really kind of in their first real major stretch here. And then we've got budding superstars, guys that, um, you know, have really kind of come onto the scene the last couple of years, recognized as all-stars and ready to take that next step. Um, So I think all the talent is in place. But what really makes this team work is the unselfish nature, both offensively and defensively, their willingness to make a play for one another, um, you know, to to be on time and urgent in rotation. All that stuff just really speaks to the fact that the chemistry's got to be great. Um, and, and they really must like each other because uh, they certainly play like that. Tim Lacombe is with us here on the big show on 97.5. And uh, 1280 the zone. What do you think? Uh, we got into this a little bit last night, but the Chicago is next, Tim. What do you think uh, Vucevic does for them? Well, when we when we played them last, um, and obviously the Jazz played great and had their way, um, but what was really glaring to me was <clears throat> just their you know, just the Bulls at the time complete lack of size and really, um, you know, their their five men were were Thaddeus Young and. Um, and uh, Markinen, and so they, they're really undersized, and you know that was kind of the glaring weakness. I think what Vucevic brings is a, obviously a, an all-star that can really score down on the block, and can also step away from the basket. He, I, I just think that adds versatility, certainly, um, but it kind of helps shore up the middle defensively too. I know the Jazz kind of had their way in that game in Chicago. Um, so you you put a big guy, and we talked about some of the young pieces that the Bulls have. I love what Zach Levine's doing. Um, you know, he's really kind of morphed into, um, you know, just a, a great player in the league that can really kind of take a, a franchise on his back. And so I certainly him getting a little bit of help, and particularly big man help, never hurts. So, Tim, let me uh, do to you what Jake does to me sometimes here. And let oh, me no. Pre- oh, no. Pre- present the, the next 10 games on the schedule and, and see what you think the Jazz's record project what it should be. As Jake just said, they, they, they have the Bulls, then the Magic, then the Mavericks, then the Suns. Th- those two games are away. Uh, then the Blazers, the Kings. Where's the Blazer game? Blazer game is home. Okay. The Kings, and that's at home. The Wizards at home. The Thunder at home. The Pacers at home. And the 10th game, the Lakers away. What do you think the record will be over that span? Adding to the 36-11 and 11 that's on the board now. 8-2. and two. All right. <laughs> I'm going to say eight and two. Yeah. What do you think, Jake? Uh, I, I honestly can't keep those 10 teams straight in top of my head, but eight and two sounds like it would be a pretty darn good mark over any 10 game I, stretch. I, I kept, as you talked, I put, I mean, because this is how I do math too, I just put my fingers up in the air and I just assign them to a, you know, left or right column. That's kind of how I, I just did that on the fly. Yeah, let me, so that's well, how I figured out eight and two. The most interesting games to me over that span are, and of course every game needs to be interesting, I guess, in order for the team to perform the way it needs to, but that Suns game away, the Blazers game at home, uh, kind of, 
And then the Lakers game, which is away. And interestingly enough, they play the Lakers again away the next game. So there's there's some nice, although by that time, we'll, when is AD back? Did anybody know? I, I don't think there's been an official timetable set. I haven't seen an update on it in a while. I doubt LeBron will probably be back for the second round of the playoffs. <laughs> those, those those ten games cover until April nineteenth, so, or April seventeenth. I'm sorry. See, and those are just to you. Those are just you know dates on a calendar. Those are nights. Every one of those nights, Jake and I are going to be staring at each other. That's true. <laughs> it is true. Talking about them at uh, in, in great detail. Yes. But uh, but I'm I'm with you. Eight and two looks right. I've got it up in front of me now. Uh, Gordon, I think. Yeah, uh, I, I think um, you know they're playing so well at home, uh, but they've won twenty in a row. So obviously, odds are they're not going to continue just to you know sweep through home. So I, I really don't know what games even, but I just feel like eight and two in that stretch seems like kind of what they're where they are right now. And I think where they are right now is kind of back in a in a real groove. How difficult is that game against the Suns on the road, do you expect? Remember when the Suns beat the Jazz uh, here at, uh, in Salt Lake earlier? In yeah, it was, was... it was early in the season. Certainly, you know, when the Jazz were figuring everything out, if I remember right, it was part of the 4-4 four and four start. Um, is that correct? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. So. so a lot has changed since then, but the one thing is to remain constant, and Jake and I talk about this all the time, the Suns aren't going away. Um you know, every time we check and look and, you know, they're they're right there within striking distance, certainly, um, you know, got veteran leadership. And I think they've got a renewed interest in, in trying to guard and actually fairly, you know, really good defensively, actually. I think they they did a great job turning the Jazz over in that first game. But, yeah, I think it'll be a 95 fun game. points, Tim. 95 yeah. points the Jazz scored in that game, and it was the fourth game of the year. Yeah. So I, I feel like the, I feel like that Gordon. I think that will be a fun one because I think it's uh, kind of a opportunity to to do some measuring against you know where you were early on, uh, but it also certainly helps to get that full game if you can beat them. You know, get another game between you. Our friend Tim Lacombe is with us here on the Big Show on ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the Zone. Um, Tim, what did you think of how the Jazz played without um, Donovan Mitchell? And this is kind of a loaded question because Gordon had to admit that I was right about our discussion yesterday on how they would make up for Donovan uh, with multiple players. I, uh, again, I was correct. But of whoa, course, whoa, 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 uh, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. You were correct, and I am conceding that, but I didn't think that one player was going to do it all. I you mean, did too. That was exactly I, your point. I, did I say that one player yes. was going to score 35 points? You said it was going to be one player making up for that product, uh, production. Well, but that, I, no, that I, aside, that's, that that's aside. That's exactly what I said, but Mike Conley played pretty well, thank you. That, your wrongness aside, uh, how did you think <laughs> that the, the Jazz uh, compensated without Mitchell there? They did exactly what you know, I'd kind of hope they'd, they'd do. And it wasn't where um, anybody played out of out of their role. I felt like everybody kind of did their thing. Um, you know, we, we mentioned last night, Joe seemed, you know, he, he didn't have that just kind of main steady Joe night. Um, and he, he moved the ball a little more than he has been doing. But that might be part of, of what everybody was trying to do is just hit the open guy, make sure everybody's getting open shots. 
And I think their unselfishness to start the game, honestly, um, you know, great driving kicks to Bojan and, and him coming through with those quick threes early on to get nine points. And the Jazz to get a little bit of, of distance between them and the Grizzlies and, and then certainly have that idea, hey, we, we can be successful tonight. And they got off to a good start, and that was huge. But, I, again, I think it goes back to what you asked earlier, Gordon. I think their unselfishness is really the, the driver of this team. And I think they just really relied on them on each other last night on both ends. Tim, is there any warning for the Jazz about the way John Morant played against them last night? Uh, you know, he, I'm sorry, he, he was very uh, efficient, and uh, he went to the free throw line all night long. Is this is this a problem the Jazz have containing these great uh, guards? You know, I haven't seen as much of that this year. We've seen it in stretches. You know, we've seen nights. And I, I think the crazy thing about Jaw and, and Jake and I talked about this last night was it, he is one of those guys, you know, it's almost like um, the old wing offense, you know, back in the day, they'd say, hey, we'd line up this way and we're going to run the ball right at you. And, you're, you you know, good luck stopping it. Um, and it's what Jaw really does. He has another gear. You know, he has that kind of Westbrook ability to get by guys and get into the paint. Um, we kind of labeled him last night a, a one-and-a-half level scorer because he's got the floater and the rim. And beyond that, you know, he made that late crazy shot clock three last night. But the three-pointer is not his forte. But he is one of those guys that just night in and night out kind of gets where he wants to on the floor. And it, it, it really does come down to whether you put him on the line or not because I think if you look on the nights he has really big nights – um, not only does he get where he wants to go, but then, you know, he's rewarded because he gets fouled. And um, I, I haven't seen it be as urgent or as, an ep, you know, an epidemic as last year where it seemed like every night, you know, when we were talking, we are talking about, gosh, we got to get a perimeter defender or somebody can really lock down. I think Royce has grown a ton from last year into that role and understands what it takes to guard the number one guy. But I also believe that, Donovan, Jordan Clarkson, um, you know, even Bojan, who's he's not the greatest defender, but I think all those guys have just tried to be a little bit better. And as a team collectively, that's why we've seen a, a, a better output from the defense. And those guards just aren't, you know, they aren't torching us every night. Um, we actually have had nights where a guy like Trey Young goes home with one of the worst nights he's had all year. Um, you know, they did a great job on Lillard early on in the season, that first game of the year in Portland. Um, and so I think they've done a good job of mixing up their looks and everybody just being a little bit better and, and a little more focused defensively. So, Tim, all that being said, as a coach, what would you have said to Royce O'Neal when he committed a foul with seven seconds left with the Jazz of four? I would basically just kindly say, Royce, please don't do that. <laughs> that that's not becoming of us winning a lot of games in the clutch. Uh no, I mean, I, I, Quinn talked about it last night. It, as great as the win was, there's still stuff, and there's always stuff. Um, very, you know, very rarely do you go out there and walk away and say, man, we were sensational tonight. There are bits and pieces that you can say we were great. Um, shooting the ball, assisting the ball, rebounding the ball. But, you know, nobody's played that perfect game yet, and so there's always moments to teach, and I think that's the opportunity you take there, you know, you just, you teach that time and score. You teach it over and over and over again. And 
and hopefully, you know, when it matters the most, those things, uh, you know, stick with the guys. He did make the two free throws, so we got to give him credit for that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was those were gutsy free throws for sure. Switching gears to uh, college here for a second, Tim, since you're uh, breaking coaching news uh, these days. <laughs> Who, who's going to be the next guy at Utah State? I'm staying with Tim Miles. I don't know why. I just am. Um, I think it, it just is one where his name was, was kind of bandered around <clears throat> even before Craig left amongst people I've been talking to, um, you know, in and around. Uh, I think there's already a connection there because of Craig and, and Tim's relationship. Um, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Now, I think the one thing I've heard is that Utah State's going to take some time and they're going to talk to a lot of guys. And I know there's been, you know, a handful of people already talked to. Um, so with that being said, it certainly can go a different direction. But I don't know. When I look into my crystal ball, I just see I see some, some movement around the Tim Miles thing for some reason. 389 and 187. I'm sorry. No, That's 100, No, it's, I'm sorry. I misread. 187 and 202. Got you. If, you. if you go back through his time at Colorado State, and then, of course, he was at Nebraska after that. You know, that record's not all that stellar. It's a losing record. Um, hmm. But there is the connection with Craig Smith. Isn't Craig Smith a disciple of Tim Miles? Yeah. Yep. He worked for him at Colorado State. As did DeMarlo Slocum, right, who's coming back to Utah to coach with Craig. What yeah, do you think about man. that? I'm so happy about that. I mean, you know, anytime you can get um, a guy like the, like DeMarlo, first of all, he's just an extraordinary human being. Uh, but he's got ties to the program. You know, he was here uh, with Larry – uh, during really, really good times, you know, and he, he was there when the Utes went to the Sweet 16 and helped recruit, you know, all those guys that came through the pros, DeLon and Kuzma and Pirtle and, uh, you know, a guy like Brandon Taylor, he was instrumental in, in recruiting a lot of those guys. And I just feel like DeMarlo's a, a, a really sharp guy that, that will hit the ground running because he understands that, you know, he's been here, understands the culture, um, got high energy, and I think he'll fit great with Craig. They're, they're also really close. They were on the staff together at Colorado State with Tim Miles. What do you think of Roy Williams uh, retiring? I'm so happy for him, uh, first of all. I I know what it feels like to walk away, and it, it's it's gut-wrenching. It's hard, and, you know, the, the first probably year is going to be crazy for him. But it is, you know, when you make your mind up that – um, you've had enough that it's over um you know it, there is some solace and what's most important now he'll really be able to kind of step back and look at what he's done um i had a really cool experience with roy williams um coach rose got you know the first bout with cancer happened when i was the director of basketball operations so i was not in a recruiting position um but when coach got sick obviously I stepped up to that spot, to a recruiting spot, and went out on the road. And one of my first uh, tournaments I went to was the famous Nike Peach Jam out in Augusta, Georgia. And, you know, I, so I was in there, and I it was my first time being out on the road and, um, you know, trying to figure it out. 
and I went and sat down kind of in an area where the coaches sit. There were seats all over the place. Um, but right before the game started, Roy Williams walked in, and as he was walking, he saw my shirt, and he's actually really, really close to coach. Um, and he sat down right next to me and for about an hour, um, you know, really just wanted to know what he could do to help. And, um, you know, he text coach while he was sitting there. And um, it's just stuff like that, man. You, know, you certainly, when you're out on the road, you can really see what people are about. And I will just say this, there's not uh, – a majority of the people in college basketball aren't like Roy. Uh, they're really, you know, a lot of ego, um, a lot of self-promotion, all that stuff. But Roy was, you know, he was a classy, classy guy, coach that had just unbelievable success, you know, pretty much everywhere he went. He was really, you know, instrumental to Dean Smith's success at North Carolina as one of the lead assistants. And, and then obviously Kansas had a great run, um, you know, getting them. Uh, we had great teams there. We actually played them when he was at Kansas. We played at Utah. We played them in Kemper Arena with Andre and Keith and Doliak, and we played Paul Pierce and Jacques Vaughn and Rafe LaFrance, um, actually led by 11 at the half. <laughs> and those guys came back, and I'll never forget how loud that arena got. It was like the roof was going to blow off. Um, but just a, a huge fan of Roy Williams as a coach. But to me, you know, your profession's one thing, the way you are, your essence is in, in your character and the type of person you are. And to me, you know, rookie coach sitting out there, never met Roy in my life. He's certainly, you know, one of my idols in coaching. And for him to take me a minute, a minute and see my shirt, you know, we're all wearing our stuff and sees the BYU. And instead of going and sitting by himself, you know, he sits down with me and talks for me an hour about Coach Rose. I, I just think that speaks uh, volumes about what kind of guy he is. Yeah, that's awesome. Coach Lacombe, thank you very much. I'll see you tomorrow night, buddy. Sounds great. Hey, one last thing. Shout out to my boy Yoda. I told him I'd do that. Right. So, what up, Yoda? Awesome. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Goodbye. There you go. Our friend Tim Lacombe. Uh, catch him, Jazz pre half and post. Tomorrow night, the Jazz take on the Bulls here at Vivint Arena. That game will tip at seven. Pre-game begins at six. All right. We'll have so, more coming up next. What's that, Gordon? If if uh, if the Jazz go eight and two over the next two weeks or however long it is, uh, three weeks, that's going to be a glistening record, is it not? Well, I don't know about glistening. Define the term. 45, what would they, 40, what would they be? 44 and 13? So they'd be shiny? would <laughs> be really good. I see. All right, we've got Drop of the Day coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. If you missed yesterday's uh, sounds uh, uh, of various uh, clips, then you won't know exactly what we're talking about right now. But that is definitely appointment radio, isn't it? Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. Thanks to Coach Clump for jumping on with us. Uh, Jazz Insider Report brought to you by Cypress Credit Union with the lowest fees and quickest keys. Cypress has the home loan product that is perfect for you. Visit any Cypress branch or cypresscu.com for details. It's time 
for Drop of the Day, also known as Sounds of Various Clips. Austin has uh, has uh, unearthed a routine that he finds entertaining and wants to share with our listeners. Brian Regan, this is a comedian, very popular around here, I'm told. Yeah, this is from his new Netflix special. Okay, and this is about... Uh, uh, what, lottery tickets and small talk at parties? He's trying to fit in at parties amongst all the nonsense small talk. I see. All right, let's get to it. And I'm trying to learn how to be a better listener. So I just decided to just say nothing. And there was a guy there telling everyone a story about the lottery numbers that he had recently picked. Woo! What a story. I'm going to try to duplicate it for you, but... It's going to be challenging because this guy was drilling it. He had everyone gathered round, and he was like, so I got uh, four lottery tickets. The uh, first ticket, I picked a two, four, seven, 21, 36. The second ticket, had the two, five. I had the four on the first ticket, got the five on the second ticket. Two, five, 16, 17. Got those back to back on the second ticket. Back to back, 16, 17, back to back, 28, 31. 31 was the last number on that, that I got on a second ticket. This is the story that he's sharing with humans. Third ticket. I picked a two. I'm always on a two. You know me, I always got the two covered. I knew I had the four on the first ticket and the five on the second, so I got the six on the third. Two, six, 17, 19. Decided to leapfrog over the 18. <laughs> leapfrog action landed on a 19, 43. 43 was the last number on the third ticket. Four ticket. I picked the two. Doy. I don't even know why I'm born. You're telling me about the two. You know me, if I got a ticket, I got the two. If I'm walking down the street and I'm holding a lottery ticket, you know I'm gonna look at it, you know I got that two nailed down. <laughs> anyway, I knew I had the four, five, and six on the other ticket, so I got them all on that fourth ticket. Two, four, five, six. And something said, get the three. Something said, go back and get that three. Something said, jump on that three. Something said, nail down that three. So I get the three. Two, three, four, five, six, 17, and the 44. And my thinking on the 44 was, hey, get the 44. <laughs> so as you can imagine, everyone's jaws were agape. So I wanted to throw the right log on the fire to keep this baby burning. <laughs> when you got this kind of flame blazing, you can't risk having it smolder out. I want to throw the proper heat in that direction. So I was like, woo! <laughs> woo <laughs> Crazy! Well, what happened? None of the tickets hit. Whoa! What a twist at the end. What a curveball finish. I could have sworn that was all going somewhere. Could have sworn it. But you flipped the tables. You managed to follow nothing with less. That is funny. So what happened? All the tickets lost. Whoa! <laughs>
<laughs> I have never understood how people come to the conclusion they come to when they're putting picking numbers for that stuff. I mean, are there reasons behind it? Or do you have the 41 because the 41 came to my mind? What? That's what he said. <laughs> We're gonna have, so the joke is about a man picking lottery numbers, and instead of laughing about it, Gordon wants to know the philosophical thinking behind picking, picking those lottery numbers. numbers. No, I laughed at it. I laughed at it. <laughs> oh, man. He said the the, the 44, because the thinking was get the 44. Yeah, yeah. You know me. If <laughs> I've got that lottery ticket, I'm on the two. <laughs> you know good. I'm on the two. That's solid logic, man. <laughs> no, I have nothing. I've, with, with less. less. No, I, I've definitely been around that guy at a party that, that, that <laughs> comes up with an anecdote, and you're like, okay. And then it, it drags on for a, a while, and you're like, okay, well, this must be really good because so far the buildup is lacking. And then it ends with, well, that's it. That's, that's the story. <laughs> and then you go, oh, oh, well, that's great. Anywho, have Most you tried the, the punch? Most of the chatter that goes on in those kinds of parties really is pretty mindless anyway. Isn't it? No, I've been a, I've in, been involved in many interesting uh, conversations at a party. Are you flit around the room guy or are you lock in on one person for a decent conversation guy? Uh, I don't uh, really care, to be honest. I, I usually stay put, however. <laughs> what do you mean? Everyone has to come to you? Oh, I just usually pick out a spot that's comfortable to me and uh, and hang out there, and people can come and go as they please. I'd rather talk to one or two people and just have a, a decent conversation about something, hopefully not how you pick your lottery tickets, uh, and uh, rather than, than just move around the room. We all know the move around the room guy. Yeah, you know, I'll chat with that guy. Why not? But he's got to come to you. He's coming You're not going to go find well, him. Yeah, well, because I'm probably close to the cooler. <laughs> Float around <laughs> the room guy is the same guy that jingles his change in his pocket walking down the hallway. Hey, how you doing? Jingling the change. See, you hang out by the cooler. <laughs> how are you? You hang out by the cooler or the food, and you're going to talk to everybody. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, there's two ways to look at it. There's one, okay, you, you, if you have a conversation with one person, then you, you have that conversation and you think, okay, especially if it's interesting. If it's not, you might want to move away. But then if you're where you are, then you're going to have to talk to five people at once. And that gets complicated. Nah, not bad. No? No. I like seeing everybody. All right, stay tuned. We'll get to more Big Show coming up next, 97.5. That, that guy's pretty funny. 1280 The Zone. There isn't much that makes Austin Horton angry. Wait, who are we kidding? Almost everything makes Austin upset. Ah! This is Austin's airing of grievances. The tradition begins with the airing of grievances. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. All right, it's time for Austin's list. Our producer Austin Horton has an enemies list. And we put people on that list all the time. What are we doing today, Oz? Uh, today, I, we've got a lot of time, so I'm going to do two stories, if that's all right with you both. All right. Two entries on the list. Uh, first and foremost, we talked a little bit about April Fool's and how silly and dumb and how much I hate it. And the angels made us stupid. 
uh, April Fool's joke, and everybody seems to be like, oh, it's April Fool's, we gotta make a joke, and you don't actually. But did you see what happened with Volkswagen today? No. I heard about that Volkswagen had done something that people had taken seriously. That's right. Uh, in, you know, Volkswagen, it's been uh, a couple years since they had a world meltdown PR fiasco, so why not do another one today? Uh, you remember the old cheating, uh, the, the yeah, fuel the diesel test? Uh, yeah. cars, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Volkswagen tweeted out uh, a statement, a big old long official statement that in the United States only, the name Volkswagen was changing to Volkswagen, like Volt. electric volt. Mm-hmm. Got it? Uh, and they said, uh, hold on, we're somehow back, we're on satellite radio right now. So one second, let's change that to live assist. Uh, they said that uh, this is not an April Fool's joke. This is real. This is true. Believe it. It's And so everyone's like, oh, wow, this is re-. No, it was an April Fool's joke. So not only did they make a dumb, immature April Fool's joke, they then lied and said this is not an April Fool's joke, only to several hours later say, JK, it was an April Fool's joke. Hmm. So Volkswagen goes on the list because that's like the last the last car brand that needs to be fooling around these days is Volkswagen. Keep it serious. Just stay, uh, stay in line there, Volkswagen. Yeah. But I'm putting a beekeeper in New Mexico on the list. I'm terrified of bees. Really? I don't like bees. I don't like wasps. I don't like hornets. I don't know the difference between a wasp and a hornet, but I'm including both of them. Are you, do you, I take it from your reaction, you don't care. No, I mean, I, I'm not <laughs> seeking out bees per se, but I don't know if I'm terrified. You used the word terrified. So if a bee flo- flew into your car while you're driving down I-15, you'd be fine. Well, I try to shoo it out, I guess. While driving down I-15? Well, without wrecking my car. But <laughs> I mean, I've had a bees land on me before where they say, you know, keep still. I don't have any issue with that. Uh, Gordon, are you afraid of bees? Uh, I wouldn't freak out uh, over a bee, but uh, I and I definitely would keep my eye on the road because you're more likely to get hurt not paying attention there than you would be <laughs> trying to swat a bee. Well, an off-duty firefighter in Las Cruces, New Mexico, whose hobby himself is beekeeping, by the way, uh, went into an Albertsons. I miss Albertsons. I liked that grocery store. Went into the grocery store for 10 minutes, and when he came back to his car, it was uh, full of 15,000 honeybees in the backseat. Hmm. His entire backseat was covered in honeybees, 15,000 honeybees. The reason being is he had, when he was doing his beekeeping hobby, he had taken the pheromone that uh, is used to attract the bees to the queen, and he had left it on a a jacket or something that was in the backseat. And so all the bees, all of the bees, from where he drove from his house to Albertson's, Swarmed into his open window and made home into the backseat of his car. Wow. So he goes on the list uh, because we if you want to be a beekeeper, be a beekeeper, but keep them away from the rest of us that don't want to be around bees. Am I a terrible person that actually I, I thought of doing that to one of my roommates once when we were putting out one of those uh, wasp traps into the backyard where you use the pheromone, you know, on the cotton ball and it... <laughs> 
but I thought it would be funny to drip it on his like sweatshirt or something to see what happened, but I never <laughs> did. Apparently 15,000 bees will come. Well, I don't think these traps are quite probably the same strength that that guy was using. You know what I mean? But, it sounds yeah. like exactly what a good friend would do. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do it. I just thought it might be funny, but then well, I didn't do it. Why would you think that would be funny? Hearing him complain about, God, I can't get rid of these bees. What are it? I've got these. I can't go anywhere. And he's getting... probably and he's allergic to bees. And he, oh, he gets I wouldn't have done dies. it to a friend who is allergic to bees, Gordon. Why do you have to take it to the most extreme? And by the way, I didn't do it. You thought about it, of course and, I uh, did. Where, in the good book, it says, "Hey, if you if you think it, you might as well have done it." Oh, well, I've thought about uh, breaking into your house like dozens of times. Does that mean I might as well have done it? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, brother. How would you break into Gordon's house? How would you go oh, about that? please. Can we change the subject? <laughs> There's the moat you got to deal with first. Right. And the, the Fort Knox-like security system. The, the, the towers yeah. above you. Right. Weren't we just talking earlier about how, you know, people who participate in April Fool's Day are immature and uh, th that somehow that's uh, not the right thing to do. And now we hear that Jake was going to uh, put the pheromone on his on his buddy's sweatshirt so a thousand bees would come attacking. It wouldn't be a thousand. And I thought It'd about it. It'd be 15,000. I, I didn't do it. I thought about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I think that uh, opens the window into your soul a little bit for everybody to see. And you know what? This goes beyond just beekeepers. If you collect reptiles, if you have a, a rat farm, if you uh, are, are one of those type of people and, or a beekeeper uh, in this instance, fine, be weird, but be weird in your own time on your own property. Don't bring them with you to where I might be going. Fair enough. A lot of people, they keep it bees is a thing these days, right? I, I know somebody who's a beekeeper, yeah. How many friends do they have? Well, none, uh, but that's not the question. <laughs> he seemed like a pretty nice guy to me, but uh, I, I've never understood that, that uh, you know, the compelling uh, reason to do that. That seems dangerous. In fact, my friend who's not a beekeeper. It's actually not dangerous. It's not dangerous my, at all. Well, 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 wait, wait. My friend who is a beekeeper... He, uh, he's, uh, I think, uh, I think it was one of his granddaughters or somebody came out and went where the bees were and it was, it was dangerous. Yeah. Those bees will get you. Austin, you're, wait, wait, you're, wait. Uh, did, did it you're sting the granddaughter or something or? Did yeah. It... Yes. It did sting her. She didn't just like walk, pot, walk by the, the keeper. I think he was out doing something and he was in the full garb. And the bees were buzzing all around him, whatever. And she walked out to greet him, and he was—he was petrified that she was going to be seriously hurt by that. Ah, I see. Yeah, probably don't uh, go walking up to the beehive without the bee garb on. Yeah. Uh, what a, a downer turn that took! Uh, uh, stay tuned for the movie zone where they'll review my girl coming up at. Uh, that's seven. Rosemary's Baby's next know, week. I, Did we yeah. mention anything about a dog dying? Um, but, yeah, beekeeping like is, a, is a thing these days. People like fresh honey. And, by the way, bees, are, delicious. Uh, bees are good for, uh, you know, plant life. So. I, I know. They, apparently the planet depends on honeybees. Fine, but let us depend on them not where I am. Just depend on them somewhere else.
You're going to turn your, your yard into just like a desert of lifelessness. <laughs> yes, no, not a blade of anything. <laughs> just dirt. Yep. Concrete. Well, fresh, fresh honey Concrete. sounds pretty good right about now, I'm thinking now. You know what I'm in the mood for all of a sudden? Jeez. How about a peanut butter and honey sandwich? Maybe with a little banana on there. Sounds pretty good to me. A little Gouda. Maybe some Limburger. I know someone that eats cheese on their peanut butter. You do? Yeah. Well, that sounds pretty gross. It's just like, like those, those are... cheese crackers with peanut butter in between them. Yeah, those aren't bad. Huh. Wait. wait. The cheese crackers? What are you talking they're ca- about? They're actually called Austin crackers. That's the brand. And they're orange crackers with peanut butter in between them. You don't um, know that? You get, no, I don't. I Look, I love peanut butter, and I love myself some cheese, as you know. Have I mentioned that to you guys? Yes. I love myself some cheese. I would never think of putting those two things together. Well, give it a shot, Gordon. Be a little adventurous tonight. Well, my All Christmas right. gift for you is decided. There it Cheese. <laughs> I'll spare no expense at the gas station. <laughs> crackers. All right. All right. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. More next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Wrapping up a big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Stay tuned. We've got the movie zone coming up, Austin Horton and Johnny Lightfoot. Uh, let's, get the, let's get the poll question today, Aus. Uh, we're looking for your favorite siblings in Hollywood. Gordon, hmm. your favorite Hollywood siblings. Boy, I can't really think of that many. Um... It wouldn't be the Baldwin brothers, would it? Oh, that'll work. That's actually an answer we haven't received. They are siblings. How many Uh, are there? There's Alec and Steven. And Billy. There's Billy? I've never heard of Billy. Billy was in uh, that Christopher McQuarrie movie that everybody likes. Usual Suspects. Uh, Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Who are the other, some of the suggestions, us? Well, Well, without giving the show away. uh, No, I mean, no. I'm just wondering who... Name me some siblings. There's the staples like Joan and John Cusack. But there's some others that I didn't quite think of. What you just mentioned, Baldwin, and that hasn't come up yet. I'm going to go with Ron and Clint Howard. Someone else I didn't mention. Dang it. Yeah. But I thought that's where you would go. Because Clint is like the greatest actor alive. Uh, (laughs) He only has a career because Ron's a director. And puts him in just the best roles possible. Like the or guy, every role no one else wants. Like the guy who lives in the truck in Ed TV. <laughs> what about the young girls? Uh, is it Dakota Fanning? Doesn't she have a sister or something? Uh, yeah, I think Elle Fanning. Is that her Elle younger Fanning, or older sister? I'm not sure. But. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not how, sure either. How about this one? How about Bill Murray and his brother? Oh, yeah. Which nice. brother? The one who wrote Caddyshack. Brian Doyle, is it, what's his name? Yeah, Brian Doyle, Brian Doyle Murray is the, the older brother, but he's got a younger brother. I think it's John Murray. The one who's in uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Oh, that's Brian Doyle Murray. Yeah. That he's one. got an aggressive voice. Yeah. yeah. Speaking mm-hmm. of that, how about the Quaid brothers? Yeah, I'm not sure they like being brothers, actually. I think Dennis is like, I don't have a brother. <laughs> yeah, Oh, Randy kind of ran it. So we'll talk about that. We've got uh, Godzilla, Kong, Godzilla versus Kong came out yesterday. We'll talk about. And uh, since uh, it's Easter, we're going to talk about my yearly Easter movie tradition. Which is watching Saw? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> but uh, it's a tease. I'll tell you what okay. it is coming up. Right. The Robe? 
Never. What's the robe? Like a bathrobe? No, it's a, it's a it's a movie about a robe. No, it's about the robe that uh, the Christ figure wore. Oh, so you were oh, nope, you were going literal Easter movie? I was I was thinking that's like going, that's going back to the fifties or something. I, don't I was thinking like inappropriate about. Easter movie, like I know, like I know Schindler's List with Christmas. <laughs> oh, jeez, it's not Easter until we watch Shawshank Redemption. Mm. <laughs> Give us a hint. No. What is your What is your Easter movie tradition? Uh, I will give you a hint. It, you were close with the 50s, but don't spoil what it is. Strip tease with Demi, Demi Moore. <laughs> and Dennis O'Hallahan or whatever his and name was. And isn't Burt Reynolds in that movie? No. It's, yes, he is. Oh, it is Burt yep. Reynolds, yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought it was the, the Dennis guy. The older, the older version of Burt Reynolds with the uh, whatever that is that, uh, that Ruggies wear. Wow, you're really familiar with that movie. No, I just know. I just know of that for some reason. Uh-huh. I, I can't uh-huh. We know exactly why. Hey, if I were watching that movie, I wouldn't be looking at Burr Reynolds. All right, I'd yeah, be looking Ving at Rhames. Yeah. Gordon's like, well, you know, the director's cut was really <laughs> more. <laughs> uh, Gordon, enjoy your Thursday, buddy. All right, everybody, have a good one. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the Big Show, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty, the Zone.